Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak with my good friend, Karis Harlan. Karis is currently nine weeks pregnant and is having a wild pregnancy and free birth. The theme of the podcast today is conscious conception and fertility or infertility, depends on how you look at it. We talk in detail about her journey to conception this time, which took about seven months, and the differences of the conception journey with her daughter Finn, which took about three years. We also talk about Finn's birth, her struggles breastfeeding, morning sickness, periods, and why she chose not to take a pregnancy test. We have a few good laughs that question everything about why we do what we do in pregnancy and birth. Karis is open-minded, thought out, truthful, aware, and great to chat with. Enjoy. Hi, Karis. Hi, Nat. Welcome to the Renegade Mama, Karis. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here. It's a real honor to have you here. <laughs> so Karis and I have known each other, we're just saying, for three years. Um, we met when her daughter Finn was, what? I don't know. Eight weeks old, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to have a friend mm. on the podcast today. So, um, Karis, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your family. Mm. Well, my name is Karis and first and foremost, I am a sovereign being. Nice. Um, I'm a mother to my beautiful daughter, Finn, who is three. And I am pregnant with my new little spirit peanut. I am a business owner. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. And I'm a very passionate woman. Beautiful. <laughs> well summed up. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a lot of things. But um, we're going to focus on conscious conception, um, pregnancy, wild pregnancy, free birth, um, and maybe talk a little bit about your first birth. So let's start with uh, conceiving Finn, because I know that was quite a difficult journey from, mm. for you. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that. It was indeed. Um, it took us just shy of three years to conceive our daughter. And that was a really interesting process. Um, back then I was really... Um, not the same sort of consciousness I am now in that I believe that falling pregnant was all about the physical side of things. Mm. So, you know, for years I had been preparing my body, getting strong, eating the right food. I remember I wouldn't, for like a year, we wouldn't eat anything from a packet or a tin <laughs> or even a glass jar. It became really <laughs> obsessive, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I was so confident and so sure that I was going to be one of those women that would just fall pregnant straight away. Because you were so healthy. So healthy and so fit. Yes. You were um, like a triathlete. Personal trainer. Yep. Doing Ironman. Um, yeah. yoga, yoga instructor. Yes. Ticked all the boxes um, yeah. physically. Yeah. Um, but there we were month after month um, seeing that negative um, sign come up. And that was a really hard time um after about a year before i knew it i definitely spiraled into this dark dark place mm -hmm. um unconsciously just really depressed um and i really remember thinking back then as a woman my one purpose here is to have children and i'm failing like i just can't do that and i remember like sobbing in my mum's arms mm. 
saying that. And I remember the pure like heartache that I felt in that moment. Um, but yeah, it was part of my journey and it was quite interesting because I was told by many practitioners actually that I was too fit and that I was too healthy <laughs> and that I should eat a Snickers bar and not exercise so much. Um, and that's actually what ended up um, giving me depression really, slowing down and um, not eating as consciously. So then I picked myself back up and decided to train to do an Ironman. Yep. And I did that. And the month after I did that, I fell pregnant. Woohoo. Yeah. So there you go. Um, that was an amazing time. And actually the month I fell pregnant, I really actually hadn't been thinking about it because I'd been supporting my best friend through a stillbirth. Wow. And... It wasn't until the day before this baby's um, funeral that I found out I was pregnant. Wow. And it was insane time. But, you know, that that divine synchronicity is like no mistake there. So I could do a whole podcast just on that. But, yeah, and then my pregnancy with Finn. Mm -hmm. um, My mum is a midwife. She's like, if you think of like Call the Midwife, that that UK show, that was my mum back in the day when she was 17 in London on a bike. Nice. Um, so I grew up watching birth videos and listening to um, a very passionate woman talk about the um, cascade of intervention. Literally, mm-hmm. I think the first time I heard that phrase was maybe when I was five. Yeah, wow, that's cool. <laughs> and so it was no question to me that I was going to have a home birth. Um, and my choice back then was to hire a pr- private midwife. Yep. And actually, um, with my personality, I had already chosen my private midwife. I chose her back when I first started trying to conceive my daughter. So when we found out I was pregnant, I went straight to her and said, I'm pregnant three years later. And yeah, um, it was a really beautiful, beautiful time. And I really enjoyed my pregnancy and just letting go of you know, the rigidity that I'd been living with up until that point Mm. um, around being really fit and being really healthy and eating really perfectly. It was a real time of softening and blooming. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. So um, did you have any morning sickness in that pregnancy? Oh, yes. I definitely did. And do you know what? What? On reflection now, I saw it as a rite of passage. Yeah. I saw it as something that... I needed to go through like some sort of martyr yes, because it meant apparently, so everyone said to me that my baby was healthy yeah, and that everything was okay. Yeah, that old wives tale, the stronger the pregnancy hormone, the more morning sickness you have. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So here I was, very good pregnant woman, very sick, 24-hour day um, nausea. I never mm-hmm. vomited. Actually, I did once the day I tried to have a green smoothie. <laughs> I pretty much only ate chips and bread when I was pregnant with my daughter for the first trimester. I did that the first time too. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Um, But I'd love to share a little revelation I've had around morning sickness. Yeah, tell me. And so it's a combination of my first pregnancy and then now being in the throes of that first trimester. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nine weeks at the moment and I have been feeling nauseous. And up until about a week and a half ago, I was feeling really sorry for myself mm-hmm. and everything before I, before I recognized it and noticed was becoming quotation really hard. Yeah. 
But I was being assured by all the good Samaritans of society that it was a good thing yes. and that it meant that my baby was strong and healthy and, you know, aren't we amazing? This is what we go through and all these things. And it really got me thinking. Why do we think that morning sickness is a good thing and exactly. that it means that our baby is healthy? Yeah. And what is this attachment to this outcome because I know, you know, I've faced um, around this conception of this baby, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of facing of death, of the yep. whole spectrum of birth, all the way from mm -hmm. birth, life to death. And I've had to really go into that full cycle, I yeah. believe, to conceive this child. Mm -hmm. And so when I reflect on that in terms of morning sickness, it's like, are we so afraid of death that we will do anything to ensure or even try and convince ourselves that this baby that we're carrying is, is, is alive and well and okay. Yeah. Um, and our society for some reason believes that having morning sickness is a good thing because it means your baby's healthy. And so from a young age, I've heard this, I've seen it in movies, I've been told this, I've heard this. And so here I am potentially, you know, potentially, I'm not saying this is the way, but potentially here I am perhaps manifesting absolutely or creating this experience that solidifies my beliefs yep. and makes me on some level feel safe yep. and my baby this false illusion that I have any control that my yep. baby is safe yeah and so in this moment my eyes widened and I thought all right drop-ins one of those whole body drop-ins so I said what what would happen instead if I chose to accept that I have no control of the outcome of my baby's life? Mm -hmm. I have no control over whether they live and thrive or die as early as five weeks. Yep. And I accept any path that that child chooses to take, be it survive and thrive or be it leave us early. Yep. And I kid you not, Nat, like that day after that contemplation and just drop in my nausea hasn't left yeah but it has like dramatically yeah um become manageable yeah yeah it's so hmm. fascinating isn't it and yeah like I say it's not the way potentially but it, it, but it could be well it is for it's you an interesting, as well exactly it's and been it's my experience to contemplate um and I think obviously it's different for every person mm. um I think, you know, this is a common thing and I've said it to you before, like about morning sickness, it's about really honouring ourselves. Like our body's trying to tell us a message. So what is that message? Mm. Okay, I'm feeling sick. I need to stop or I need to accept this pregnancy. I think I mentioned this in another podcast. It's about saying, okay, and maybe this is to do with your one as well because you're worried about is the baby going to live? Is the baby mm. going to die? It's like accept this pregnancy, seek joy in this pregnancy and say, yeah, it's here a hundred percent and or maybe it's not but it doesn't matter yeah because this is life and this is death mm -hmm. absolutely it doesn't matter maybe that's not the right thing to say but it is what it is it yeah I don't know fascinating hey because mm. yeah I'm I've told this so many times listeners are probably bored but yeah I didn't have um, morning sickness um that second time and I again I did have some feelings of like um smells would put me off mm. but I was like listen to that your body doesn't want that mm. that's the wisdom of my body okay it doesn't want to eat that right now it wants to eat that mm. you know 
Um, so yeah, that was really interesting. Okay, so you let's go back to the birth mm. or the pregnancy of Finn. Um, you got to so you had ultrasounds. Yeah, I had a twelve week and a twenty week ultrasound. Okay, that was all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and for me it was just like, yep, all right, this is so fun. I've been so excited. Let's do all the things. Yeah. Well, within reason, yeah, I didn't do all the things. No. But to me, the ultrasounds were again like this rite of passage, like yep. this thing that you do, mm-hmm. right? This celebration opportunity. Yep. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that is, it's like a rite of passage for yep. so many people in this Western world. Um, I want to see my baby. Mm. I remember my husband saying the first time, I want to connect with the baby. And I, I totally see that as a valid thing. But is it a good enough reason to have an ultrasound is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're the only one not showing your ultrasound around to everyone, right? Um, and then it's again that deep trust going, okay, I don't need the ultrasound to tell me everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, you you didn't really think about whether or not you'd have the ultrasound. It was kind of like really exciting to do. Yep. Um, but you had a great relationship with your midwife, mm, did you? Love my midwife. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice. Um, and you obviously probably didn't do all the I don't know diabetes. Things. No, I didn't do any of that. No. Um, okay, so then any other thoughts or feelings or things that happened in the pregnancy and then we'll go to the labor um yeah no not that I can think of yep okay so you went to how many weeks I was 41 and 5 the day I gave birth okay so did you think you were going to come at like 40 (laughs) weeks or something like that I truly believed that that I was going to give birth at 37 weeks oh wow my my whole house was prepped and ready to go for 37 weeks <laughs> little did I know I had almost five weeks to go what what, what was that story like had your mum given birth early or why did you nail nailed it yep. yeah so my brother sister and I were all born a month premature okay. induced oh wow and what was that for um varying um one was preeclampsia yep. one was asthma yeah um I can't remember your mum had brother. asthma or something yeah well uh pregnancy induced asthma okay apparently. Mm. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you thought, yeah, you're going to come early. Mums came early, but not naturally. Yep. Um, and so then what was that journey from like, oh 37 weeks to 41 plus five? Um, the journey from 37 to 41 yeah. was fine. There yeah. was There was just this acceptance and it's quite interesting because from – 37 weeks I actually was having um you know eve like from about 1 a.m till 5 I was having very mild whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. contractions yep every night yep um and so yeah it was really easy for me to just surrender into being like okay well this baby's going to come whenever Mm-mm. um and from I think 30 nine weeks sorry do you mind if you just yep. put it up closer yeah, that's better oh yeah that's so much better i okay. should have asked you that earlier mm, from 39 weeks yeah. um there was just a soft pressure that started coming um or more of an offering like you know we could do a stretch and sweep it's completely whatever mm. um and i was like no no i, I don't want to do anything i want this baby to come when when she's ready mm-hmm. and so I put that off and I put that off every time it was offered. Mm-hmm. 
And then from 41 weeks, now there was this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we need to start having this conversation around what's going to happen if we go over 42. And it was never directly said that my midwife wouldn't support me because mm-hmm. I know she can't say that. But yes. there was this pressure, like you would need to go into hospital, you need to have other scans. Well, they're obliged to say it as well, mm. even yes. if they don't believe it or they yeah. think they're fine. I remember my midwife saying the first time, um, you know, well, I do have to recommend because it's the recommendations or regulations that you do have an ultrasound and I do have to recommend that you go in yep. for to see the obstetrician or whatever. Actually, that's made me remember one thing about the pregnancy. At um, 35 weeks, I went in and did my um, appointment that you do to meet the obstetrician at your supporting hospital. Yeah. And I met her and she immediately told me that she couldn't palpate and find the baby's head and that's because I told her the baby's head was already engaged and she didn't believe me. So she said, I just need to do a quick ultrasound to check and I was really against it and she was like, look, I really need to. So I was like fine two seconds she did two seconds she was like oh yes you're right I was like oh yes <laughs> it's crazy that. imagine I if I body. knew that my baby's head was down touching my cervix because yeah. I can feel that yeah um and then she measured fundal height and so on and was like you have a huge baby <laughs> um and let me tell anyone who doesn't know me like I'm five foot eleven so yeah. you know you're a tall woman. I'm a tall woman um she said to me, it's our recommendation and I have to say this and I'm going to send your midwife a letter that if you haven't gone into natural labour by 38 weeks that you come in for an induction. Whoa. <laughs> so I had to go back to my midwife and sign off and just say, look, thanks for your advice. No thanks. But that, that paperwork <laughs> had to be written for insurance. Wow. And that's just like that whole prenatal scare thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and just... it was. Like I can be really flippant about it now, but at the time it was really, it was a stress that was yeah. unnecessary. When a professional, inverted commas, is telling you, you know, this is You're going to have a best. huge baby. This is what you should be doing. You're like, hang on, I'm going against the advice of a professional, inverted yep. commas. Yeah. And no matter how strong-willed you are. Yep. Or intuitive, it's um, yep. really sometimes it's challenging. a struggle. Yep. And also those people around you, you know, yeah. your partner, your mum, whoever, mm. saying, yeah. mm, well, they've advised that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. But um, going back to then, so there was these conversations now that I was approaching 42 weeks that I would need to go into hospital. And I eventually agreed Sorry, the day before I went into labour, I, I um, was definitely close to going to labour because I broke down. Yeah. And I called my midwife and she was like, are you okay? And I was just like, no. And I had the biggest cry of my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, actually, the second biggest. That happened on the day of labour. And yeah. she came over and it was beautiful. She, we went for a long walk together. Yeah. And she suggested I go see a movie. And I did. I went and watched Beauty and the Beast by myself. <laughs> I ate my first ever popcorn. And you'd never had popcorn. I'd before. never had popcorn before. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because it's a health thing, right? I don't know. I don't know. That's <laughs> it's <great>. weird. <laughs> um, and so the next, and at that meeting, I agreed the next day I would do a stretch and sweep. Okay. And why did you agree to that? Was it her suggestion? It was the pressure of not wanting to go to hospital. Yeah. Nothing terrified me more than going to hospital. Yeah. And I didn't realize why until the next morning. Yeah. So the day I went into labor, um, I had a huge release and I was trying to think of anything that could be holding me back or anything that could um, show its face in the birth yeah. negatively. And I just had this huge re- realisation um, and I was just like, my biggest fear is that my child is taken from me. Mm-hmm. 
um, and I had a, the biggest cry and it was so good. Mm-hmm. And my midwife like, and my husband supported me through that. And then after where, that. Where do you think that came from? Um, I, I, you know, I can never say one thing because no. I believe it's a combination of my life and all my experiences and watching the world around me. Yeah. Um, it's very but real that so many I mean, that happens all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And then past life. Yeah. Regressions that I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I've like witnessed that happen- happening to me potentially. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. Um, so that fear is ingrained on all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did the stretch and sweep the and night before or the day of the day of, okay. She said, you know, we'll do this. And if need to be, we can do another one tomorrow and we'll see how it goes. But when she, um, went to do the stretch and sweep, I mean, I was already like two centimeters dilated. Yeah. And, um, which you could have been for weeks, I, which I probably was thanks yeah. to the five weeks of nightly yes. quickenings. Um, yeah. and it put me basically into immediate labor. Wow. Um, and I... At was the, that, how was that stretch experience? Was it uncomfortable? It's really interesting because in the moment, yeah. it was what I perceive as fine because it was necessary yes. to do what I needed. Yeah. But interestingly, healing from that has been part of my journey mm-hmm. to conceiving this baby, mm-hmm. which I can share about later. Because mm-hmm. it is a very um, a violent procedure. Yeah. yeah. Like... Yeah, it's invasive and it's violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and my midwife that, is yeah. so loving and mm-hmm. gentle and beautiful and that. held me so lovely in the most sacred space. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what's happening, yeah, yeah, it's it goes weird, against everything. It's such a weird practice that so many people are very flippant about. Yeah, and get from such a early gestation, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, from yeah. 37 weeks yeah, 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 unnecessarily. Just, who told me the other day? Someone was telling me that they had... I don't know, like eight stretch and sweeps. Wow. I was like, you're crazy. Baby wasn't ready to come. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not crazy. Sorry, that's rude. But, you know, that is crazy mm. having so many stretch yeah. and sweeps. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who it was. Um, but it's the system, isn't it? Yep. It's. And um, in my eyes, it was literally that or give birth in a hospital. Yeah, the pressure is there. That was like, my two choices. And I was like, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's an easy choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so within five minutes, I'd had my first contraction mm-hmm. and I was always really conscious of staying open to how long labor would take. My yep. best friend, who was the only really personal pers- um, person, personal story I'd had to listen to and understand, had mm-hmm. been in labor for something like 38 hours. Oh my God. Um, like... You know, days and then ended in the cesarean. So I was trying to keep an open mind yeah. to the potential that birth will take as long as it needs to take. Yeah. And so under the um, guidance of my midwife, she suggested we go for a walk. Um, So we did. We went and got a coffee and, well, Wayne got a coffee. And we went up to our local park that had some hills in it. And we just went for a really beautiful walk for an hour and a half. And, um, you know, so excited about all of this. Um, But incredibly, for someone who is very controlling... And very can be very in my head. Birth never took me into my head. Mm. Um, so my husband, without me asking, was the one timing contractions. Just wanted to, he wanted, I guess, to feel some sort of control or yes. feel something. Yeah. And so by Do the time job. we left the park, my contractions were like a minute and a half apart and lasting for like a minute. Yeah. 
And I was like, I think it's time to go home. And you just know that instinct. I like all of a sudden looked around and I was like, I'm in the middle of a park. <laughs> I need to get home, stat. And this is only an hour and a half, hey, after having my waters broken. Not broken. Sorry, stretch my and stretch sweep. and sweep. Yeah. Um, and I went home and I went to put on a load of washing, and which is hilarious. And was leaning down to um, pull it all out and I had to lean against the wall for my first um, stronger contraction. And I was like, Karis, go to your bedroom. Put down the washing, girl. And it's so funny. I went into my bedroom. I put on my this really nice black nightie that I had wanted to wear, took off knickers. Yeah. And then, yeah, just started really um, becoming really present with my body and what I was experiencing. And it's funny. I'll never forget this. In the background, I became all aware of son of my husband watching this horrific um, YouTube video on how to um, clean your bike, your racing bike. <laughs> and it was in this like American accent and it was so loud and I just walked out there, like between a contraction, I walked out there and just used my hand and just like swatted the iPad across the room. I didn't even say anything <laughs> and then just walked back into the room. <laughs> But he was bored. He didn't know what to do. So he thought, I might clean my bike. Oh, so cute. Anyway, so we went, I, I went back into the room and the, beauty, the beautiful thing about that labour was um, Wayne and I, my husband and I had spoken, in, you know, a lot around what I wanted mm-hmm. and what his role was. And so at no point was there ever this need for conversation. So at some point, I don't know, he called my midwife and had said, and she sort of listened over the phone and she's like, oh, I don't think she's too far, but I'll come, I'll come over and listen. And then I was at some point vaguely aware that my midwife had arrived mm-hmm. and as she arrived, I vomited. Yeah. Um, I, I laboured most of my labour um, standing up mm-hmm. and then my upper body pitched at about a 45 degree angle over the nappy change table and yep. it was just the perfect position for me. Yep. And I would just sway and rock through each of the surges mm-hmm. and then lift up onto my toes, I remember, with the peak of everything. Um, and, yeah, at some point they started filling the birth pool. Mm-hmm. And this is quite interesting because I became aware that um, my midwife came in and said, Karis, the pool's ready um, for when, like, if you want to come now. And, you know, if she hadn't said that, I would have given birth right where I was. Yep. Like no part of me wanted to move or leave the room I was in. Um, so at this point I will say the frustrating thing on reflection um, was the monitoring, yeah, the Doppler. Yes. Just like hand up the skirt, yep. you know, and then also, oh, I just can't quite get it there. Can you just yep. move a little bit? Yep. And it's just like, no. It just like, keeps bringing you back into your yep. neocortex. That's what I found. Yep. E- the, you know, my midwife again was beautiful and very discreet the way she did it, but you're suddenly there and someone's touching yep. you. Yeah. So Absolutely. simple, isn't it? Yeah. And it did. It snapped me back for, even for just a moment. Yeah. Back into the room and it was just like not where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and she, I swatted her away several times. <laughs> I definitely heard that machine <laughs> drop more than once to the floor. <laughs> so I, I barely spoke in labour. Great. Um, I don't think I did either. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I remember having this funny thing like, oh, before I go into the pool, I've got to use the toilet. 
I've got to do a wee. And she's like, Karis, you can just wee in the pool. Like, there's going to be a lot more going on in that pool. And I was like, no, no. You know? And he's trying to hold this grasp of dignity. You know? And I did a wee on the toilet, That's which was so uncomfortable funny. and ridiculous. I was the opposite. I was like, I don't care if I wee oh, in the pool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then I got so into the funny. pool and immediately I was like, this is not comfortable because I all of a sudden had to kneel. Yes. And I had been standing. Yes. And to the point where my immediate reaction was get out. Yeah. But then I had this attachment to giving birth in the pool. Yes, we all do. Yeah. Home birth and well, that's have the videos a birth. you watch, right? Yeah. So we've got to see. Yep. It's so weird. Yeah. Just like, why? Yeah. And it was uncomfortable. Like the floor was like the blow up pool didn't have a solid floor. So it was like bumpy yeah, and got blow the up. Ridges, don't yeah. They? And yeah. so it was all uneven. And I was like, oh, for the first minute I flapped around like a wounded chicken. Like I was just like, what? I just couldn't get comfortable. And then I just, in the end, like spread my knees a little bit and kneeled. So essentially yeah. the same position, but just now kneeling. Yeah. But then that led to hamstring cramps. Like I kept cramping. Oh, wow. Um, so not long after I got into the pool, I hit transition. Yeah. Um, and I, I never, um, um, it wasn't a obvious transition for me but on reflection it's quite clear it's the moment I thought to myself oh I could die right now and it would be okay yeah because I literally thought to myself it's amazing what we can handle as women yeah because you think like each contraction my experience was that I thought oh god how could it get more than this and it just does it just keeps becoming more and you just keep stepping up and handling it and coping Yeah. yeah and so at that moment when I thought I think I'm dying. I could die and that would be okay. That was clearly transition. And I sort of said that in my own mind. And so many women say this, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Reach that, that, because you're so close in that moment. Yeah. In the whole process, you know, both of you. Um, And so, yeah. And then I remember the sort of, what we call it, sort of pushing phase. And that, it's interesting, this fetal ejection reflex I'm not sure if I experienced that because I remember at one point, again, this is another point that I now reflect on and it tickles the hairs on my back. At one point, my midwife said, you know, you could start pushing now if you wanted. Mm. And just someone planting that tiny little seed, again, not only did it take me out of my body mm-hmm. and make me think, think like, well, do I want to? I don't know. I've never done this before. Is that something I want to do? Mm. It's just unnecessary. My body knows what to do. Yes. It needs to be told when and where and how. And the other thing is that I always find is if it's not there, then you have to tune into your body way more. For me, I in my first birth, I was waiting for that guidance mm. because, number one, I'd been, sounds horrible, but groomed the whole way to mm. have that guidance. Um, not from her. <laughs> sounds so horrible because I, I love, love, love my midwife. Mm. Um, uh but the system, you know, yep. it's always you're always looking to somebody else mm. to see if everything's okay, mm. whether it's an ultrasound, whether it's a blood test. I mean, I didn't have any ultrasounds, but we had the blood tests. Are we going to listen to the heart? We're always looking to someone else rather than inside ourselves. And so then you get to the birth and you're like, okay, someone tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I asked her so many stupid things like, um, can I do this? Yeah, can I do that? And it's like, if she wasn't there, guess what? I mm. would have had to have taken more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it would have been 
easier potentially. Mm. Um, but I relied on her so much because I could mm. and I chose to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. interesting. Hey, so sorry. Um, yeah, so I began pushing, I guess, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, so she suggested you Yeah, could she push suggested now. I could push and I sort of contemplated what that meant or and did I want to. And to be honest, I bet... It, it's like that involuntary. It's like, uh, 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 yeah. you know, that classic sound that I yeah. love hearing now of women when they, they transition. It is such a different feeling. And mm. for me, not painful, just yeah. intense. So the difference between contractions and the pushing phase was quite dramatic for me in mm. my experience. There was just an intensity to the pushing phase for me mm. where I could feel this, like, this baby descending. And yeah. that was really palpable for me. Yeah, I actually really like the pushing phase. Yeah. I mean, I've only done it twice. <laughs> um, but it's kind of really exciting, especially the second time because you've been there before. You're like, man, I'm at the end of the race. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I did experience the ring of fire. Yes. Which is an interesting point of contemplation I've been having recently as well I'm not oh, going to talk yeah. about now but okay. maybe we'll talk about this in a chat another day yeah but I did experience this ring of fire and it quite literally felt like I was squatting over a fire yeah and um actually I've just remembered a funny point my husband was great he was doing all the perfect things I didn't want to be touched by anyone but I, I needed an icy cold cloth yeah that that had to be replaced every single contraction I never said this he just did it perfectly because oh, so he just sweet. knows he knows me so well yeah and alternating between coconut water and water. Oh, and sips wow. from the our, straw. Our men are really good. Oh, aren't they, they when like, they need to step, like they, yeah. I, I've been looking at a few videos recently of just men supporting women in labor and just thinking, how fucking amazing are they? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And, you know, it's not for every man. No. At all. Yep. But, um, these men are really stepping up and yeah. supporting the women and making sure yeah. they give what they need. Yeah. Are needed. Yeah. Need. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this funny point, um, I think this has been before I was pushing actually, just before transition, one of the only things my husband said, all of a sudden, I don't know what brought him to do this, but all of a sudden he started started counting to five through one of my contractions like this. Ooh, and he's got a really deep voice. He's like, one, two, three, four, five, one, two. And I was just thinking to myself, what the fuck is he doing? And I thought to myself he needs to just shut up like what is he doing but it was and then again he's saying something and now I'm having a conversation with myself in my head oh, do you know it had taken me out of my body yeah into this conversation with myself and then I thought to myself oh bless him I can't tell him off like he's just trying to be sweet and then he did it again and I was like no fuck no I can't handle yeah. that and I just like again swatted him in and just said no <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then he went back to being silent. Bless him. I could just imagine he's trying to do the right thing. Has he read somewhere that he's supposed to count through the breaths or some shit? And um, he's trying to do the right thing. But Oh, my God, yeah. I remember my mum coming in and asking, did I want anything or like a massage? It was really sweet. And I just put my hand up and I like shook it at her. I was like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) I know you're trying to do the right thing, but everyone leave me the fuck alone. Mm, Every single thing that is said in a birth space has an effect. Yeah, because um, you're in – I'm going to misquote this, but you're in a really vulnerable programming kind of 
if you want to ever rewire your brain, like birth is one of them. Mm. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, that everyone be silent if that's yeah, what you I want. I think it's at theatre, I think they call <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And birth the is, yeah, yeah, it's kind of the right time to kind of put all those new things in. And so that's why a birth can, experience can be so traumatic or so empowering mm. for women mm. and change their lives. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, Finn's head emerged and thank God, <laughs> no more ring of fire. And then in the next contraction, her body came out and I was kneeling and been, had been holding on to my husband. And so my midwife was actually the, the person that caught Finn yeah. and then passed her through and under to me. Yeah. And you know what, those five minutes after that, that I don't really, I know what happened, but I don't know what happened. It's really, yeah. it's an incredible time. Um, I remember just looking into my eyes and the first thing I said was like, oh, honey, like it's mummy. Mummy and daddy are here and we love you so much. And her eyes went open straight away and she's just staring at me and she didn't cry. She didn't actually make a squeak to the point where the midwives actually after a minute or so asked the lights to be turned on because they couldn't – it was dark, pitch black. I demanded no light. So it was literally almost pitch black. What uh, day of – It was May at 6 p.m. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And the curtains were all closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, And then they saw she was pink and they turned the lights back off and, yeah. And then now, like, on reflection in that moment, um, again, another thing is I didn't want my cord to be be cut so early, but my midwife – I don't know how long I was in the pool for. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but she showed me the cord and said, look, it's finished pulsing. You can see it's all white. It's fine to cut it now. And in that moment, in that time, you're not necessarily in your full truth. Because my truth had been that I'd wanted to perhaps keep it attached and like see baby and placenta all attached. And my placenta was still inside me. Oh, so they cut it before it yeah. came out. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it would easier. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. easier. Yeah. Nah, it's easier to do that. Mm. Um if something needs to happen quickly. Yeah. And so my placenta was out within 10 minutes-ish, if there was a – reading my notes. 10 minutes of birth. Yeah. So they'd cut it before that. Yeah, I guess. This is the thing I've reflected on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then I birthed a placenta and then got out quite quickly out of the bath. And again, I, that wasn't my choice. It was mm-hmm. something that was done. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we come – um, I, w- I wanted to be in that moment still. I was mm. still didn't know what was going on. Just mm-hmm. leave me be. But, you know, you do it because you're only kind of half operating in your own mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got out and sat on the couch and there was this immediate need for her to attach, to latch. Yes. And then that's another story. Yes. But, yeah, my birth, um, I had so I ended up having a second degree internal tear yep. and some grazing, yep. um, which my midwife had told me after I gave birth, um, and I just said, "Just leave it." Yep. And she was of the same yep. mindset. And then it was fine. It healed fine. Yeah, it's healed fine. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you didn't have any um, postpartum kind of hemorrhage or anything nope. like that. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nope. Um, and. How were you feeling directly after the birth? Like a superhero. Yeah. I remember having this connection, I've heard this so often, to every single woman who's ever birthed on earth. In that moment, every single woman had ever birthed was in the room with me. Yeah. That's what I felt exactly like. And I was just like, 
We are amazing. Yes. Like, w- women are amazing. Yeah. Like. Um, Such a cool feeling. Oh, it's like nothing else. And maybe like this kind of thing of maybe disconnection women have before giving a birth to a baby. Not that it should be like that, but we have been so disconnected in the society we live in. And then actually, actually having that connection because of the birth. I don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. why do we have to wait to the birth yeah. to have that? Yeah. Because we're very separate mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, okay. And talk to me about the latching because I'm really interested in that. Yeah. So, um, Finn, um, she just wouldn't latch. She would kind of just – she didn't want to feed Nat. Yeah. She didn't want to be shoved she onto the breast. It was, she'd been born – however an hour before yep. and was wanted to sleep yeah the child wanted to be left to yep. snuggled and sleep and yep. i was irritating her yeah no so, if i now that i know her her personality yeah she was so angry at me mm, trying yep. to make her do something that no part of her wanted to do mm-hmm. and then if she'd wanted to she would have let me know exactly yeah i did a similar thing i mean charlie latched I don't know, there's no issues there. Neither with mine, but with Stella, I was a bit forceful with her because mm. I was having the free birth. I was like, I need to have, um, I need to get her to feed for my uterus to clamp and oxytocin to release and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. And I fought, kept trying to force her. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Just like, leave me alone. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one when we feel like such a need to get the baby on the boob straight away. Yeah. Like, yeah. let the baby, you know, that breast crawl there. And I wanted to do about. the breast crawl. So yeah. here I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was being guided by someone else's presence. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And just no matter what you say or think, whoever else is in that space with you will influence every single choice that's made. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to choose very wisely very. who's in your yeah. birth space or not in your birth space. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. And then, so you just had a real hard time latching and that kind of kept on going, right? Yeah. My, my breastfeeding story is quite a story. It goes, I mean, it took 12 weeks to, and I know, you know, that can be a story for some women, um, takes a while to establish, but it took us 12 weeks, I think, to, um, actually be solely on the breast. Yeah. That's a long time. In the pits of hell, I was pumping and using an SNS taped to my breast with a nipple shield taped over the top. Oh, my God. Holding my express breast milk and doing this every two hours. And it was a two-man job feeding Finn for like the first, definitely the first eight weeks. It was a two-man job. And that's that other thing of looking outside yourself again for Mm. all these um, contraptions contraptions to use to be able to feed your baby. If you'd kind of been left to be like, okay, feed your baby on your boob. Yeah. Might take a little while, but you'll get there. Yeah. You're always looking outside yourself again. Use this, try this. Try this, try that. And it's hard Mm -hmm. when you just don't trust yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it is such a vulnerable time. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your history around breastfeeding. Like, were you breastfed yourself? Yeah, I was breastfed until I was nine months, and then my mum fell pregnant. Okay. Mm. So, and had you seen people breastfeeding? Yeah, breastfeeding was always something I was really excited for. Yeah. I mean, I'd seen it, um, but not not often. But when yeah. my best friend had had her first child, I used to love. <laughs> 
I used to love watching her breastfeed. Like yeah. I would like go right up close and just be like in awe yeah, yeah, of how cool. amazing mm-hmm. and perfect it all was. And just mm-hmm. thinking again, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so I was always really excited to breastfeed. Did you think you would have any trouble no, breastfeeding? No so? way, Nat, not me. No. And had you done much research around breastfeeding? I'd read Ina Mae Gaskin's breastfeeding book. Yeah. And I had joined some of the breastfeeding support pages. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Okay, so you've done a fair I mean, amount yeah, of research. I mean, yeah, that's a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's about all I did. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So what now would you attribute your breastfeeding troubles? That's going to gonna be my next journey that I embark on um, diving into for this pregnancy mm. because I obviously don't want to repeat whatever story I'm running. Yeah. Um, so now in this time, I still am really blind to it, mm. blind to the truth that sits really deep below mm. that. So, but I know I will find an answer to it this time. Yeah. And yeah. I look forward to getting faced with that. Yeah. <laughs> she said reluctantly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember in my, both my pregnancies actually, but especially my second, just all this stuff coming up, personal growth. I was like, just stop. Yeah. I remember you being like <laughs> that. Yeah. Like it's too much. Yes. It's coming too fast. Yeah. <laughs> But ultimately, it was a good thing, and you know, I've grown so much as a person mm. since then. Um, so it's cool. Yeah. But sometimes painful. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and so you always wanted another one. Yes. Uh, yeah. Always. Yeah. And I remember you always telling me you had another one. Like, yeah, I could feel right from yeah when I met you. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your journey to falling pregnant mm. the second time. Yeah. So I was really excited by this concept of conscious conception, um, which really resonated with me at the time. Now being, you know, a more spiritual, uh, aware woman than who I had been back when I conceived Finn, when I believed that conception was a purely physical experience. Mm. Um, even though I knew I believed in souls and all that, it was still a really physical experience. But this time around, I I knew my body was healthy and I knew that my mind was well and physically I ticked all the boxes, even though that's what people love to tell you is wrong. Mm. But I just knew the truth for me was that, again, mine was a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my process of conception was doing the work, diving deep, asking the questions, looking for the truth, mm-hmm. being prepared to crack open. And, mm. yeah, just keep exploring. Um, when did you get your period back? I got my period back when I stopped on-demand feeding at yes. 20 months. Okay. So you yeah. started putting uh, boundaries in there. You hadn't night weaned. but I, you were... I didn't night wean for another four months. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just the constant. I stopped the constant because my daughter, after uh, um, initial troubles feeding, wasn't, you know, standard absolute boob monster yes she was on them more than she was off them (laughs) yeah yeah i was saying that to a friend the other day who had trouble feeding at first i was like just wait and now she's like get her off me yeah you can't imagine yeah exactly um so um when did the idea of conceiving come into your mind like when were you like okay i'm ready when finn turned two yeah i was ready like my hormones and Emotionally, I was ready. She was now night weaned, yeah. um, so it was going to be as good as it was going to get. Yeah. Um, and 
we tried for a few months and then issues I won't go into today, my husband and I had a really tough year all around conception and it took us to some very dark, dark corners Um, and we worked through that for the remainder of the year Mm -hmm. and we stopped trying to conceive. And then once we'd worked through what we needed to, um, I say that lightly, but I mean that was a very dark place. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think that's really important to acknowledge because – you know, we all have struggles in our relationship oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, they can be very deep and yeah. I've definitely had mine and still have mine with my husband. Yeah. Um, but it's about, yeah, working through them yeah. and coming out the other side and making you stronger. Yeah. I know it's such a cliche, but it really, oh, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> They're true. Um, yeah. Okay. So you had... Um, some struggles you trying you stop trying to you work through those struggles mm. and then you started trying again yeah and then so it's been seven months this year okay and I mean you say this term conscious conception and potentially there's this illusion that just because you're going into it with awareness that there's going to be less pain mm. which is just not the truth because you yeah. know part of being this, this conscious um soul mm-hmm. as we are is the, all deaths. It's the joy as is the, the pain. It's the death and the life. It's all the wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so for seven months, I experienced the wholeness every month. Um, and yeah, again, it took me to some really hard places where I was really um, encouraged to really look at a lot of deep truths um, and beliefs that I have around like worthiness and like you know as a woman your worth and and even as Karis who am I here to be and Mm. if that doesn't look like with children what is that Mm. like and just stripping myself down and then building myself up but then stripping that image down and then just breaking that and building it back up until there's you just see all the potential and just accept it all yeah because you have to in the end yeah and then um this so this the seventh month um actually a few months before i had found this um my one of my good friends had recommended this practitioner to me simone Mm -hmm. she her her company is sacred she wisdom Mm -hmm. and she um does pelvic bowl therapy Mm -hmm. and um i had found her through um well my friend had recommended her but what I'd been doing leading up to that that also found her was started yoni steaming, mm-hmm. not just physically for um, a way to help with symptoms around my menstrual cycle, but also as a, a ritual, like a, this opportunity for connection and, mm-hmm. um, you know, deep self-love. Mm-hmm. And that had been really beautiful. How was your menstrual cycle? Were you having painful periods? Or yeah. Anything you I've always had painful um crampy periods yeah yeah I was on the pill for the first 10 years you know of my cycle yeah um yeah and so I went to see her for a few sessions and she was remarkable yeah and the work that I did with her support was like profound um you know generational healing of the the pain that women carry 
uh, you know, I felt I had visions of my mum's mum, her mum's mum, mm. and the pain that they carried in their pelvic area. Mm-hmm. And I felt Finn's and the gen- her generations. It, it's you know, with this concept of time being an illusion, knowing that you can go backwards and forwards in any moment and feel all of it. Um, so it was really powerful to experience that. Um, that and then that's also where I confronted. Um, sexual trauma yeah. from being a young girl sexually abused by a teacher wow. um, and then just you know any sexual encounter I've had as a teenager and as a young woman where I wasn't a full body yes absolutely so it's one thing to say yes but if any part of your mind or your body says no that is not a full yes, yes. and there's resistance and if you penetrate that energy that scar yeah, remains gosh, that's something to think about for myself yeah mm. Mm. so that was a journey <laughs> mm-hmm. and feeling all women you know it wasn't just me just being so aware of that that connected you know story mm-hmm. um and then also the stretch and sweep that's the first time i viewed it as being a violent act yeah. when i sat with my cervix and the energy of that private sacred space mm-hmm it made me cry. I just cried and cried. Um, and it hadn't even necessarily, it hadn't been a painful experience, but it was not, it wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, it was abuse because I did not actually want it. It was not my idea. It's not something I would ever choose to do to myself. Mm. So it's interesting. And that came up. And then interestingly, on my last session, that's the day I believe that I conceived this little wow. yeah, soul. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and it's interesting because I also believe the the actual sexual act that led to this conception was I woke up at 4 a.m. and this instinct, it I just woke up and I'm not a morning sex girl. <laughs> I woke up and I said, now, like it needs to happen now. And normally I'd just been like, you know, scheduling it in in my mind, but yeah. this was completely intuitive. Oh, that's cool. So I woke up my poor husband and, yeah. I'm sure I didn't like. No, I'm sure not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so nice that, yeah, that was a really instinctive, um, yeah. Yeah. Intuitive. Instinctive, yes, and a yeah. full body, yes. That's beautiful. Oh, how nice. But then, you know, that, that so then it's this three-week journey after that. Yes. Um, so from that point of conception, um, I've, I'd learnt quite well to let go yeah. and know that, What's done is done and there will be an outcome either way. And actually I went on um, two ceremonial journeys during during that time, yeah. um, just knowing that I never wanted to stop doing anything while I was trying to conceive, like within reason, because yeah. I didn't want to put a pause in my life. Yeah. So I had decided that I wasn't going to do a test. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the month previous to that um, – I'd had that therapy session and had a, had, had a really powerful shift in my menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. I'd had no pain for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. Um, literally no pain, pain. And my blood arrived early, day 25, which was really early for me and mm. with no symptoms. Mm. And so now this next month when I um, was expecting the arrival of my cycle, mm-hmm. I, I expected it from day 25. You know, that was within reason for me. Mm-hmm. And from day about 23-ish, I, knew, I remember a few days before 25, um, I was cramping in the mornings from like 
two until five every morning, like painful enough to make me get out of bed mm-hmm. and just come and sit out here and cry most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, not from the pain, but from just the wholeness, the journey mm-hmm. of not knowing, mm-hmm. of being in that space between worlds where you don't know and you have no control and you're potentially about to be devastated or experience the most intense joy you've ever experienced. And mm-hmm. yeah, so came day 25, 26, 27, 28 was my usual cycle. Yeah. And so day 28 and 29 were challenging because, yeah. and so I think for a week I actually wore um, like those period knickers, just yeah. expecting it to start at any time. Wow. And it just never did. And as the days went by, there was this this calling for me to look at the truth yeah. and that is that I could be pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then immediately there's this foreboding joy. It's like, oh, but you also couldn't be and you could don't want to get yourself your hopes up mm-hmm. because God forbid you experience sadness and deep pain. Yeah. And so for these days I was just going between exactly that, mm-hmm. potential joy but then dragging myself back down um, – and I'll never forget on one of the days, day 29 perhaps, my sister came over and said, how are you feeling? Such a loaded question for someone at that time. And I looked at her and I said, I just want to be happy. I just want to be jo- overjoyed. Mm. And I looked at her and I thought to myself, well, why can't I be? Yeah. Oh, because the interesting point is you haven't taken a pregnancy no, test. You've chosen not to. I've chosen to, not to Because you could have right there. Yeah, I could have, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I looked at her and I said... I'm going to choose joy. And I looked at her straight in the eyes and I said, I'm pregnant. And she just started jumping up and down and we both started screaming and crying and that was really sweet. And this fear ran over me like, wow, you've said it now. Mm. You know, there's these voices that it's like, oh, I was so excited. Oh, you've said it. Imagine if you start bleeding. Mm. All these funny things. Mm. Um, so even from that moment where I chose joy, there was still fear. Mm-hmm. And the days that followed that really called for the letting go of the fear and the embracing of full joy Mm -hmm. with the knowing that that joy could mean that I'm pregnant, but next week I might not be. Yeah. But to still allow that to be experienced as joy. And it's such a big thing, a lesson of living in the moment. Yeah. So feeling that joy now because that is the truth right now, but next week it might not be the truth. Yep. Exactly. it's big. And so there comes a point at some point, you know, that you just have to really um, accept it because, you know, it's now day 33. You've never not bled for this long. And it's like, well, I guess I'm pregnant. That's cool. Um, I can stop wearing these period knickers now. How? That was a big thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. To, to, it was a, like a physical symbol of mm-hmm. acceptance. That's cool. Yeah. Did you, were you ever tempted to do the pregnancy test? Or had you no, decided that? very strong-willed. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> um, but had you decided before, like, I'm not going to do a pregnancy test? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that was from listening to the Free Birth Society. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, always being open to question why we do things. Exactly. And open to... That's the first step, isn't it? It's the, the pe- first it's moment the first you give away. Giving away your power. Let's look at it's this It's the first test. opportunity you say no to, to journeying, yeah. to your truth. So yeah. all that time, all those journeys I took into the darkness, into the light, backwards and forwards, round and round, up and down, tears, joy, is missed. Mm. It's all given away yeah. to something, someone else. And we never experienced that in that moment mm-hmm. and that potential 
shift in your life and growth Mm. yeah it's huge isn't it yeah and it's that it's also that first separation between this pregnancy being something that you are intimately involved in only you and this baby Uh, the other thing I wanted to add because I think about the way when I've took the test the second time I took it when, with Oliver and my other, my um, first son, Charlie, and I said, we're pregnant. And it was very definite and it was certain. Mm. And I said this to him and Charlie burst into tears. I've told this story before and said, don't do that. He wasn't happy. But there's a slower knowing yep. because imagine if I'd said to him over a few weeks because I didn't know for yep. sure. Charlie, mummy might be pregnant. Mm. I might be having a baby. And we would all have time to get used to this idea than rather being told, I'm having a baby. Yeah. And it's really, I don't know, was it nice to have this slow but maybe hard? The, I wouldn't the choose the word nice. Yeah. It was it was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. And 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 telling Finn was part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. The day I said to my sister, I'm pregnant, yeah. I looked at Finn and I said, Sweetheart, there's a there's a baby in mummy's womb. Yeah. But interestingly, my husband couldn't accept it. Yes. He, ha- he told me he had to wait and he gave me a date <laughs> before he would accept it, yeah. which is just so interesting. <laughs> and I had to let him have yeah, his space. Yeah, that's his journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, that opportunity for that experience is, is, um, is profound and amazing. And it was, I didn't realise, but it was actually another physical um, like symbol of the letting go and the trust was... Um, looking at the toilet paper every time I wiped mm. after a wee. I think I did that. I don't know when I stopped doing that, but I reckon I was about six, seven weeks pregnant because mm-hmm. there was always just that little what if yeah, that just crept in in this simple act. And then one day I noticed I just didn't do it anymore. And I thought I've, I've fully, my whole being has accepted this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Just noticing those little things because they're not nothing. Like that, yeah. that, that act right there is really interesting yeah yeah yeah. um okay so how many weeks are you now nine nine okay um you talked a bit about the morning sickness before Mm. is there anything you want to add to that or um i had this recent contemplation and it's around because obviously now nine weeks now most people would either have booked or would be booking in their first appointment Mm mm-hmm and so I've really been reflecting on this because my mm-hmm. choice to have this free birth is wanting to explore and this wilder pregnancy is wanting to explore the potentiality of of the choices I'm making. So by choosing not to have this ultrasound, like what does that mean and what does that look like for me? Because mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed um, over the last over this pregnancy I've been contemplating this listening to women's stories and you know it's my sister-in-law even had two miscarriages mm. and it was when she went into and it's so often when women go into this first scan yes they discover mm-hmm. that their baby's either alive mm-hmm. or that their baby has passed mm-hmm. and quite often it was weeks ago mm-hmm. maybe back as early as five weeks yeah and yet their body hasn't let go yet. Yes. They've been waiting to hear from someone else mm. that their baby is well mm-hmm. and alive. Mm-hmm. And is there a potential that this pregnancy has been carried on because of this waiting, mm. this, this potential disconnection from their own knowing? 
yeah. and their own experience. Fascinating. I love that. Yeah, because we're, again, just giving it away and not tuning yeah. into ourselves. But if we tuned into ourselves, we would maybe allow that pregnancy to go yeah. or not. Yeah, absolutely. And because I did recently hear a story and around COVID, there's been several stories that have come up where women have gone for their 12-week scan, have unfortunately discovered that their baby's passed, Mm -hmm. but then due to the hospital situations at the moment have been told that they can't come in for a procedure for a few days. Mm. And the next day they'll start miscarrying themselves. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. And, you know, these contemplations have only come up for me because I'm asking why. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. because I am facing all of this in my mind and yeah. every day I face the fullness of knowing that there's, I can't control any outcome mm-hmm. and, and there's a deep acceptance of that in my being yeah. and there has to be every day mm-hmm. and that's what I'm called to face every day. Yep. What? Knowing that I'm not waiting for anyone else to mm-hmm. tell me my baby is this or that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what I'm really interested in um, with, free birth in particular but actually these first weeks for anyone because like you say right now you'd be booking in but this lack of um acknowledgement and care Mm. in the first trimester of pregnancy um because number one people are hiding it for 12 weeks but and so they're not accepting it um because they're not fully accepting i mean imagine if you were um i don't know not telling anyone you were engaged for 12 weeks. Is that really real? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you'd feel a bit uneasy about that, just like women feel uneasy about being pregnant for those first 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I was going to say to you, and I remember my first pregnancy and definitely in my second as well, feeling a little bit, um, mm, what's the word, like out to sea, like there was no one there to kind of support me. I remember thinking like, first time why is my midwife not talking to me like why am I not doing appointments yet because even though nothing's happening in commas, everything's happening um on the inside of me and emotionally and mentally and yeah so I wanted to yeah ask I guess and and then again I guess I was saying with my free birth I did have some really good friends I could talk to um about it but sometimes I think there would have been a way that I could have maybe ask for more or taken a particular friend to kind of journey with mm. and talk through. So, yeah, let's talk about what you have done or haven't done or what would like you'd like to do. I've got a lot to say on this now, yeah. of course. <laughs> so part of my, my belief is that, um, you know, for this birth paradigm to change, we need to really shake things up from the core. And one of the first things is the bringing conception and early pregnancy out of the darkness. Yes. And uh, sharing. Yes. Like uh, how many women uh, are out there in the darkness alone going through the same thing? Oh, my God. That's what I wanted to say to you actually before. I just – this is what, one thing I love about you is many things, but just how vulnerable and raw and open you are and, you know, your Instagram posts mm. through your conception journey for those that you, follow you. Um, it is sovereign mother. Sovereign mother. Um, you know, sometimes I saw them and I was like, fuck, Karis, that's really intense. Like, you're really vulnerable right now. But I love it because mm. this is what women need to see. Mm. That's what we're all doing qu- quietly in the darkness by ourselves. Yeah, that was the reason it was a conscious choice to start this Instagram account, um, sovereign underscore mother, yeah. was to share the truth behind mm-hmm. my story mm-hmm. so that women c- could feel supported and 
know that we we need to change this. We need to come out of the darkness because mm-hmm. all of the process is worthy. Yes. Like conception is as worthy and as it should be as re- revered as birth. Oh, yes, I love it, Karis. Yes. The whole process needs to be taken into account. And so for me, it was really important that I really be open mm-hmm. and just share my truth. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely a few posts where I was like, am I really putting this up there? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> love it. And do you know what else I was going to say I love about you? We had a free birth meet up at my house and we're sitting around the table and everyone else was either pregnant or had a baby and you were still in your conception phase. Mm. And law of attraction, man, yeah. you just sat there and you were like, I'm going to be... I I'll be here soon, yeah. I'll yeah, be you, you were just like talking as if almost you're already pregnant. I yeah. was like, wow, that like that is true kind of law of attraction, faith kind of stuff. Yeah. And I love that about yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, but let's go back. You're saying that if we want to start a revolution with birth, it needs to start with Yeah, the whole the truth. And yeah. that is like, and even the year before you want to start conceiving. Yeah. The whole, and, you know, bringing ceremony, like I've only unfortunately recently heard of this beautiful ceremony you can do going from a maiden to mother. Mm. Just bringing more ceremony and culture and creating a new way yeah. um, to really like shed the light on how incredible we are and this whole process is and what we go through. Yeah. And also to unite us. Because yes. like you say, so many people are going through it in the darkness. Yep. You know, you ask the... I don't know, your neighbor, oh, when you're having your next baby and they're like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, really they've they been, know. Yeah. been going through yes. fertility treatments, or I don't know, whatever, mm-hmm. or trying. And imagine if we could say to each other, uh, yes, I am trying and open up and share because the more we share, the more we unite and it doesn't have to all look the same, but it would make life easier for everyone yeah. if we share our knowledge, right, and our experiences. I've had so many beautiful women reach out to me privately through um, Sovereign Mother and just thank me. Mm. Um, and then they've opened up and shared their story. Yeah. And that is so precious to me, that coming together yes. in that deep vulnerability. I'm just like really into um, <laughs> uh, unity of women. Oh, yeah. Um, at oh, the yeah. moment. Like I was with my sister-in-law the other day and, you know, um, we can be quite different women, different stages. She's got three older um, kids, but I don't know, like our lives are so different, but then we're so united and I don't know, we're just jamming on over a bottle of wine. (laughs) Um, Just, yeah, about the power of women. I don't know, it was just really cool. I was like, yeah, like regardless of our differences, regardless of how we parent, how we birth, what we do, let's kind of share our love for each other and being women, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so how have you um, looked after yourself mm. or who have you – have you taken somebody under your wing? Mm. Not yeah. you taken under your wing. Have they taken you under their wing to kind of care for you under this pregnancy? Yeah. It's another contemplation I've had around um, my reflections on my choices with my first birth. Like, say, for example, going to get a blood test or going to the doctors for that first day to be – to work out, to be told that I'm pregnant or going to an ultrasound. Like what are we missing in our culture that encourages us to seek these, be it medicalized ceremonies? So true. I was talking about this the other day, especially of, this is a generalization, but some older people, they love to go to appointments for these connections. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. it's the same with pregnant women. They want yep. to go to all these appointments because it's connection. It's yeah. affirmation of yep. that pregnancy. It's celebrating that pregnancy. Yep. But why can't we celebrate it in a different way, in a more yep. holistic way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, through this process and through my conception process, I have been supporting a friend of mine, Ash. Yes. Um, and she's going to have a free birth and I'll, her husband and I will be in the background of yep. that scene. And um, so as part of that, we've been meeting once a month to talk about her birth and her plans and everything like that. Um, But I'm really conscious of creating something like that for myself. Yes. And so, for example, this last weekend, myself and two of my pregnant friends, we got together and we did an art session where we chose some part of our journey to get creative with and express ourselves Mm -hmm. so yeah I did a a painting Um, and then I also look upon this opportunity um, to be really looking after myself so you know I go to the chiropractor for example once a fortnight and I have a float as a part of that and that is that is a ceremony for me that mm-hmm. in, you know, going to that float and lying there with my hands on my tummy, that's the time I choose to set aside to celebrate where I am mm-hmm. and the pregnancy and what it feels like. Um, and then going, uh, if I go for a, you know, a massage or something, that is my appointment with myself. Mm-hmm. That's my celebration and my ceremony that I'm creating. Yeah. And then just every opportunity you know, I go to, I run and I go to lots of women's circles and yes. sound healings and yeah. I dedicate every single one of those to my pregnancy. Yeah, beautiful. I bring as much ceremony into it as I can. Um, yeah. And then obviously I'd love a blessing, a, a mother's um, blessing. Yep. And yeah, I'll be hosting two of those for my friends coming up, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, but just looking at ways to get women together. Um, who are also pregnant going through the same thing just to share and talk. I've been sharing still on my Instagram account and I'll continue to do that because, yeah, it's all part of it. You're not not alone Mm. and I don't want to ever feel like I have to seek that companionship from something other than my friends Mm, and the circle that I've created. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, beautiful, Karis. We better wrap up. But um, <laughs> if people want to reach out or connect with you, what's the best way? Uh, well, my conception and pregnancy Instagram page is um, sovereign underscore mother. Mm-hmm. But my business page where I run women's circles and all sorts of goodies is sovereign beings. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I wish you all the best for this pregnancy and birth. Um, we'll have to check back in for mm-hmm. a 2.0 episode once you've had this beautiful little bubble. Yeah. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, Karis. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as the Renegade Mama podcast or on Insta as the underscore Renegade underscore Mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co. And there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes and much more. The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.